On 11-16 SEN, the Four Diego's. Les believed in Australian players, Australian coaches, Australia's destiny in the game. I remember most fondly his love. Most fondly his love of seeing Australia play. His heartache when it did not end well. His unbridled joy when we qualified in 05 against Uruguay. Young again, as few had lived the torment of the 32 failed years so deeply. This Craig Foster paying a very emotional tribute to his great mate and our great friend Les Murray. And one final tribute we thought that was a fitting way to uh, farewell the great Les Murray here on the Four Diego's. Welcome to you. Thanks for joining us. Carlos, welcome to you. How are you there, Rodrigo? Uh... Really special start to the show, uh, pretty inspirational and very moving uh, ceremony or um, or funeral the other day. It was awesome. And Vinny Venezuela. Thank you very much. Good evening, Rodrigo. Hi, listeners. Good yeah. to be here. No, look, it was a fantastic uh, thing that the New South Wales government did and um, the way everyone just turned up. And Craig Foster was just brilliant in his... Uh, in his eulogy, it was just a, a great way f- to say uh, farewell to Laszlo. So um, we'll dedicate tonight's show to, to Les Murray. No Warren Only if tonight. it's a good show. Uh, well, if it's, if it's one of our bad ones. No, no, <laughs> but I'm sure Les had a few bad shows there, Carlos, well, actually, we're, we're, <laughs> in, in the early days. We're starting off well because Warren's not here. <laughs> That's true. So we've got a big chance that it could be a good show. Yeah, no Warren. Three three shows in and uh, he's already... Uh... Well, apparently he's, he's having his yearly probe. Yeah, what's, what's going on there, Vinny? Well, he's having a procedure. <laughs> well, what's the and procedure? And he's... Um, He's having his continuo removed. <laughs> it's very painful. Apparently they say it's the... Oh. Uh, <laughs> I won't go there. But, uh, yeah, it's yes. painful for him. I don't, I don't know that he will recover. No, he, yeah. won't. he, he won't. may not do radio ever again, but that's okay. Yeah, no, but but uh, he doesn't mind a probe, ladies no. and gentlemen out there. I'm sure he's listening yeah. tonight, uh, Warren. No, good luck, <laughs> good luck, and hopefully uh, it's a successful uh, continuo. Extraction, yes. yes. <laughs> Hey, uh, 942 if you want to give us a call tonight, please do so, or send us a text message on 0433981116. We'd love to hear from you tonight. We're catching up with uh, Mike McGrath a little bit later on as well, and uh, to talk about uh, the first week of the English Premier League. It was an absolute beauty, so uh, we'll talk to Mike a little bit um, later on as well. So, hey boys, uh, let, let's get into this. Um, the Socceroos squad... Uh, was named by Ange Postacoglu. Um, a couple of... Matty Yerman has made the squad, of course. This is to, for the squad to take on Japan on Thursday, uh, the 31st of August. That's, that's what, a couple of weeks away. Yeah. Can't wait for that. It's Saitama. So Matty Yerman and uh, Matthew Speranovic are the two inclusions that uh, of note. So what do you think about that? Oh, I like Matty Yerman because, of course, we caught up with him at... Uh, uh, at Suwong a, a few months yeah, ago. Yeah, Remember right. when he first yeah. went over there, and uh, and he was talking to us about how he'd already played Champions League for Suwon against the likes of Guangzhou Evergrande and a few other big teams, Kawasaki, Kawasaki, uh, Kawasawi, 
Kawasaki, Kawasaki. Kawasaki Frontal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in their group two. The motorbike, so, you know. That's yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's how much I know about motorbikes. So. <laughs> but uh, but he he was talking about how he felt so comfortable at that level of competition, and and he's a centre half, and they also play with a three man defence, and he had to get used to that at the time. I remember, and by now, I think he. Given it's been playing quite regularly with Suwon, you'd think that he that would be quite uh, you know not, not a problem at all coming into the Socceroo squad playing that. He's a lefty also, and because he's a left footer, a left footed centre half would do a really good job on that. Obviously on the left side of defence, so you, you mix a, a Spranovic or a Sainsbury with a Yerman, I think gives you a, a nice good balance in that back three. So I think uh, he's deserved his uh, call up. And I don't think he'll let us down. I think he's a really competitive beast and a guy who is not worried about playing Japan in Japan, that's for sure. Will this squad get cut down even more? Because that's what Ange does. He gets people excited. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a squad of 30. Yeah. Uh, that's what they always do. And I think next week it gets get cut it's down to 23. 23 players, that's yeah. why the likes of uh, Mili Yedinak has been selected. Yeah. Be- even though he's been carrying a groin, hasn't played at all uh, for Aston Villa, even though they've only just started on the weekend or uh, I think the week before. They've, they've only played a couple of games. And uh, he's had a, this long-standing groin injury, I think, carried from the last time he played for Australia. So... Um, yeah, someone like uh, Emilia Yednak, I think they're giving every opportunity to play. Ange loves him. Uh, he does get criticised a bit, but I think within that squad, they just love him. He's just such a an enforcer in the middle of the park that uh, I think Ange uh, will give him every opportunity to, to come good. And uh, basically, uh, Brad Smith, uh, who missed the Russian tournament as well, uh, is coming back as well. And there's, other, there's a few others. James Jego, Awa Mobile, Riley McGree and uh, Danny Vukovic, uh, has retained his spot in the thirty, so that's all. Uh, that's all good, isn't it? So it's going to be very interesting. Aaron Moy is, uh, you know, after his wonderful uh, start in the English Premier League, uh, he'll be the fulcrum again, hopefully. So, so looking forward to this. This is also the, also for the game against Thailand on yep. the fifth of September at we can't call it Amy Park. It's the Melbourne Rectangular Stadium. Just we uh, can't call it Amy Park. So this is well, because we, it's we no, can call it no, anything no, we want to no, call it. No, we're not allowed to. This is this is the uh, Asian. Yeah. World Cup qualifiers. It's a clean stadium. It's a, it's a clean stadium. I don't want to. I want to jump ahead to the the game after this one, the Japan game. I know. I know. Uh, this you is, mean the Thailand game? Uh, sorry, I want to speak. For, sorry, it's Japan first. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about the Japan game in the sense that, um, what are we going to do, Carlos? Because you're in the lab often tinkering, <laughs> right? Japan sat back last time. Yeah. Clogged it. Clogged us up. We didn't. We didn't know how to sort of deal with that, and yep. and and that hurt us because yeah. we, we needed to get a win at home against them and we didn't. What are we going to do, Carlos? Oh, look, I, I think there's no way Japan, even though they surprised us by not coming at us uh, in that game in Melbourne, I think, uh, you know, Japan, you know, at home, they would be committing suicide, I reckon, if they don't go at Australia. So once and Australia prefers teams to come at them. Uh, so I think if they do play a proactive game, the Japanese... I think uh, that allows the Australians to really press high, try and turn over the ball uh, when you know they've got more numbers. And if that happens, suddenly they can put a performance like they did against uh, Chile, for example. But if uh, if any team sits back, we just struggle. 
uh, especially if they're well organised. But I can't see the Japanese doing that over there. They need to win as much as what we do, and um, and because it, it's really tight. I think uh, what is it? They're on top. They're on top on seventeen points. Yep. Um, Saudi Arabia is second, and we're on sixteen points yep. along with us. Yeah, and uh, yeah, United Arab Emirates on ten. Yeah, none of those top three sides cannot afford to either draw and win. If if one of them lose mm. in those last two games. They put they put themselves at risk. So, um, so Japan have to come out of. So I'd be shocked if they didn't. And we, I think we would prefer that they did. Mm. Do we start flooding Japanese television with vision of Tommy Rogic <laughs> kicking them from downtown for Celtic? Is that what we do just to, to uh, get them on the? I think they would. Toe-y? I think they would know about it, Vinny, just quietly about Tommy and Aaron, Aaron, because of course the coverage of EPL mm. and the SPL. But I think uh, the last time I was there, we had a World Cup qualifier in Osaka. And this was, uh, I reckon, it was the last time. Was it the last qualifying series? I'm, I'm not quite sure, but I was there. And uh, all week, we were there for the whole week, and all week the Japanese media was saying that we, all we need to do is stop Tim Cale, uh, and we've got to stop him from heading goals, right? And they were saying it every day. They reckon we've got a plan. We've been practicing for months about stopping Tim Cale and all this sort of stuff. Anyway, come match day, Edge, no, it wasn't Edge, was it Edge? Uh, I think it might be Holger. Might have been might have been Holger at the time, but uh, no, actually it was Ange who didn't start with Timmy. So it's through the Japanese completely because they've been planning for Timmy Cal uh, Timmy to actually start. Anyway, about the seventieth minute, we needed a goal and Ange threw Timmy on, and within seconds he scores with a header, <laughs> and it, it, you could just see everyone in that stadium deflated, all the Japanese deflated because Timmy, uh, a, a player that they'd planned so. Uh, so much in detail to try and stop uh, from hitting goals, got the goal straight away. So I think they're more worried about someone like a Tim Cale yep. than, say, a Tommy Rogic or an Aaron Moy. Yeah. Now, of course. So can't wait for um, the uh, FIFA World Cup Asian qualifiers. Thursday, 31st of August, Saitama Stadium against Japan. Uh, kickoff is at uh, 7.35 or 8.35 Australian Eastern Standard Time. Um, and then against uh, Thailand on uh, Tuesday, the 5th of September here in Melbourne at uh, the Melbourne Rectangular Stadium. Is that a danger game? The Thailand game? Thailand oh, game. No, I, I think if we, if we get a point... Well, whatever happens in Japan, we just have to go at the ties. And mm. uh, it's not going to be like the game we played over there. I mean, there's so many circumstances around that. The, oh, that the huge, conditions, yeah. yeah, the conditions. The king had just passed away. Yeah. Yep. The the ties had just played the game of their life. I thought we were a little bit undisciplined with the way we set ourselves up. I think Edge wasn't happy with the way that the, the team was stretched, you know, right across the field and there was gaps everywhere. Um, I, I, look, I, you know, I, 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 I would put my house on the fact that we're going to win that last game. <laughs> I'll put the house on Oh, it. we should. <laughs> we should we win it. We some takers, yeah, yeah, no, I'll put the house on it. There's no way we're going to lose that well, know, or got, even draw that game. You've got a palatial uh, uh, absolutely. mansion too. Yeah, in, it's in, a big in Footscray. It's, <laughs> right. it's, it's a huge mansion in Footscray. <laughs> That's right. And I'm putting hey. that on that game. That's right. <laughs> uh, the Japanese game, yeah. Look. No, it's a tough one. I'll, I'll put it on that game too. I'll put, I'll, I'm putting the house on that game. I want to win that, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking... We'll, you're on the fence. The draw, yeah. yeah. yeah You're draw. just going to put the bungalow on that that's one. True. That's true. Yeah. That's all I've got, Carlos. <laughs> all I've got. So good evening, Three Diegos. Thanks there um, for that. Matt Yerman playing in the game against Japan would be a joke. Maybe, he says here, Alan Davidson could be recalled for that World Cup qualifier. I think you mean Jason Davidson. Yeah, look, I, I think um, oh, I think he's saying you know, it's oh, such a bad oh, decision <laughs> that they'll go back to Alan. No, but, I don't uh, think so. Uh, look, I, uh, Matt Yerman, because we've been keeping in touch with Matt, 
Uh, he's actually been doing very, very well yes. in his Korean side. A, a team that's going fairly well in the league and also have done relatively well in the Asian Champions League. So, uh, you know, Matt's actually highly regarded through Asia. And the fact that he is playing against big teams across Asia in the Asian Champions League and also in a fairly strong Korean league, um, I, think it's, I think it's an astute choice by Ange to bring him into the squad. Uh, and I think he's earned it too. I mean, he, he was the player of the year at Sydney FC the year before last. Um, he had started off the season well with Sydney. He was a very highly regarded central defender and really tough. Always likes to bleed, as you know, Rodrigo. He does. Yeah, and uh, and I just think uh, it, it's a. I think he's probably better prepared for this game than say Matt Spiranovic, who's been playing second division in China. Yeah, you know you get you know you see someone on on the on the pitch uh, on TV and you think. You know, you, you may you have an impression of that person, and then and you, he's a he's a yeah. tough footballer, like you said. He bleeds for his team. He's the type of player you want on your in your in your squad. Yeah. Um, then you speak to them, and you actually it actually yeah. makes you think. He's a really really good guy. I'd like this guy yeah. to play for Australia. It's the, it's, the it's, worst thing for the Diego's because we've been going for so long. We're suckers. That, that, yeah, and once you start talking to these players you've bagged before, yeah, you can't right. you can't bag him anymore. You sort of like him. No, you can't, hey, no. no. So we're, we're certainly not your hard hitting. Media types. So very easy to win over. Just uh, because uh, it's all coming up again, Carlos. The back three. Yep. Are you sold on it? Because is is it is our problem with the Socceroos that we just give away cheap goals, which we just shouldn't, or is it fundamentally we're just not used to this back three thing yet? Look, I've any you know um, teams like Chelsea have been playing the back three for ages. I mean, back three is not something that's uh, that's not being played a lot. I think even Jackson Irvine said they were playing with a back three at Burton Albion. You know, like the back three is not anything new, but the fact is Ange introduced it in the middle of a World Cup campaign where he had to win games in in sort of. You know, far-fung places like Iran and, and, you know, and I don't know what the second one was, but, you know, the away games. I mean, he introduced it in the game against Iraq in Iran when the conditions... I mean, that, that was the first time the players actually, I think, uh, employed it in a game. So that, I think, the fact that he's had to introduce it through a World Cup campaign has made it difficult. And also, the wide players are so, so important in this system. And... Brad Smith, as much as he's a bit of a tearaway and he's fast and he's quite direct, and Matthew Leckie, we know him as a bit of a tearaway, I don't believe those two are really deep-thinking footballers. And you need, you need actually good thinkers on, that, on those flanks. Someone like a Gersback is a really good... Mm. He's a young guy, but he's a, a thinking footballer. And until we get those, those two positions right on the flanks... We're going to be a bit iffy here and there. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see. But it does help our pressing game. You saw against, Ch- uh, against, Ch- uh, sorry, against uh, Chile in the Confederations Cup, once we got that right, we had more players in the front half to press the opposition in their own half. And that worked really, really well. It's going to be fascinating stuff to see and uh, really looking forward to watching uh, the Socceroos uh, very, very soon, of course. So, hey, boys, I want to talk about the... Um What's been going on with uh, FIFA in the country? That, so it's, it's FIFA versus the FFA versus <laughs> well, everyone else. It actually, it's not really... No, FIFA was here as like the referee. Like the referee, right. Yeah. So basically, you know, Australia, it's, it's all about Australian football's governance. You know, yeah. how, do, how is football in this country governed? Who has a say in the Congress and who has the right to vote? So 
FIFA have left. There's, has, there's been no resolution as yet. The uh, deadline is November the 30th. Um, basically, uh, if... And correct me if I'm wrong here, Carlos, if uh, we can't come up with a resolution, yep. FIFA will have to take action themselves to come up with a, a, a plan that um, they believe is, is good for the game in this country. Yeah, look, the, the backstory to all this is that um, the Congress, which is a group of people... Or group it's such of, a FIFA or, or, word yeah, too, yeah, by yeah, the way. That's right, Congress. the Congress, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it sounds really, you know quite royal, doesn't it? But it it's not royal at all. It's just the working... It's, it's like a, your shareholders group uh, at any company. And, you know, who's entitled to vote the board in? And in our case, we're talking about the stakeholders. The existing Congress is made up of a vote each for the nine state and territory um, federations yep. and one vote for the 10 A-League clubs. So it's pretty stacked in the federations uh, sort of... Uh, side of things. And of course, the clubs are saying, well, it's not really democratic because Lowy, Frank, uh, Stephen Lowy and the board, they basically, you know, I don't want to use this word, but I will. They, 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 a lot of people see the federations as a bit of a puppet for the Lowy and the existing board. So anything that the clubs might want might not get through because the federations might vote against it or whatever. So it's not really... Um, a cross-section of all the stakeholders that should have a say in our game. What FIFA's saying is it's got to be broadened. It's got to be broadened to, they say, the PFA having a vote or two. The clubs should have more than one vote, uh, you know, and the clubs want up to six votes. Uh, you know, the women want to vote. The NPL clubs want to vote. Um, I think the referees, uh, you know, and so they want to... We want to vote. I want to vote. Yeah, yeah, the Diego's want to vote. But they want to broaden <laughs> it to, uh, to so it could be a much more democratic sort of uh, voting system to, to form the board. It's all about forming that board who make the decisions and fulfil the policy of, uh, of the game. So um, FFA are fighting that. Uh, they understand that the, that the Congress has to be bigger, but they don't want to give six votes to the clubs because they might align themselves with the PFA and suddenly they then have the balance of power and suddenly someone like a Lowy, who doesn't get along well with the clubs at all, will be out and another board will be coming in. Well, the feeling is that the clubs, of course, are profit-making entities. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, most some of them are privately owned and um, looking for, you know, to, to make to make a dollar. So, But looking as it is now, it's very clear that the clubs, the, the, the A-League is clearly un, underrepresented here. Yeah. And, um, you know, you can understand why they're pushing for, for more representation. Now, this, this Congress is not just for the A-League, of course, it's for football in the country. So... Yep. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. Oh, um, oh, look, I can't see the existing board surviving this because they apparently the, the the clubs, the federations, and the PFA. There's also the Association of Australian Football Clubs who are campaigning for that's the yeah. NPL clubs. They're campaigning for a seat. Yeah, but I'm not well. quite sure whether those other three bod, those other three groups are welcoming them into right. this at all. But last week when they were all in Sydney. Uh, apparently, the A League, the PFA, and the cl- and the uh, federations all agreed on two occasions that they, they they had the number for the Congress. But on both occasions, Stephen Lowy came in, had a side meeting with the federations, and they both flipped. Oh. They 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 you know, federations backflipped on two occasions. So I'm not sure what he said to them, uh, but it just seems pretty. You know, it just seemed like once you've made an agreement with with the group of stakeholders who should have the say, uh, you think you'd stand by that.
but they both they, on two occasions they backflipped last week when Stephen Lowy had them on inside meeting. So uh, it's a it's a real mess, and uh, and if we messy. can't sort this out by November the thirtieth, the uh, FIFA will uh, basically disband our current board. And bring in what they call their normalisation committee. <laughs> yeah, that's another. That could be a yeah. looking for the Diego's right there, Carlos. To, yeah, uh, yeah, the normalisation committee. They could nominate us. It just sounds like a group of people who will do lobotomies or something. The normalisation <laughs> committee, so, something out of one flew over the cookies nest or something. But uh, it's really. I mean, we're talking about the only two time, the only two previous times, I believe FIFA has come into a country and disbanded their board. And brought in a normalisation committee. I think was in Argentina when they were completely bankrupt and uh, and corrupt about their whole game. And there was another one. Uh, I, I, look, I know our listeners will be out there. They'll, they'll know with the other. But it's only happened on two occasions. Guinea, Guinea, yeah, one and of those, Greece yeah. as well. I think. I yeah, think it's happened in three, in yeah, three occasions. Yeah, it's just been these 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 countries that have long histories of not being able to govern their game properly. And for us to be thrown in that mix, hmm. it's embarrassing. We're like Guinea. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, better. Yeah. no better. No better. We're like Guinea. Yeah. Hey, uh, just off the text message here from Tom in Greenvale. Hey, Diego's Les Warren. Uh, there is a there is a God. I hear the ARU are looking at giving the CEO job to David Gallup. Please do our code of football the favour. Take him ASAP. Well, this afternoon, <laughs> I did hear that. Rumours were go- were rife that David Gallup was at the FFA about to tender his reg- resignation. Ooh. And all the media were there, and they were told, nah, he's not going to happen. So he's still there. And uh, I've got to say, a lot of people on social media were let down by the fact he's still <laughs> there. But uh, and I, I don't really have a uh, – look, I don't have a, an opinion so much about David Gallup, but I think what's happening in the management of the game at that level is, uh, is just ineffective. And I think we need change, whether that's Gallup going or the board being dismantled or I don't know. But we need we need to really, really have some leadership. The only the other problem about this too, guys, is if this board gets replaced, whether you know the Congress is expanded, they vote this board out, or the board resigns, or the board gets dismantled by FIFA. Whatever comes in new suddenly it will take six months before they do anything. Oh, yeah. no. So suddenly this will hold up everything that we're, this we're hoping for. This has to be for. resolved before the normalisation committee. It, yeah, but we still have a problem because this board won't survive that either. So, I mean, if it becomes if – if, if they solve it, uh, the board will probably be replaced anyway. And once that board's replaced – it will be 12 months before the new board will do anything because it takes them that long to get a, you know, the lay of the land and all that sort of stuff. Still, but FIFA control, FIFA, this is, yeah. so that's, that's yeah. the, the acronym I'm using, yeah, FIFA, you know who they are. <laughs> Absolutely. They control normalisation. Yeah. yeah. So that we need to sort it's it out. It's a bit of a joke. It is the a bit of a joke. Okay, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll catch up with Mike McGrath and talk about all the stuff happening in England. This is the Four Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. Thanks for joining us uh, tonight on this Wednesday night. Um, just in Peter in Cheltenham. I remember the late, great Les Murray first appearing on SBS way back in 1980, hosting World Soccer. Great memories, RIP. There's uh, Peter in Cheltenham. Serie A starts on Saturday night. You're going to try for seven in a row. Um, and we'll talk about Victory's new signing, Sanchez, a little bit later mm. on as well. Will anyone stop uh, Melbourne Victory in the new season, Diego's? Not even the mighty Oakley Cannons could match them tonight. <laughs> uh, 2-5, uh, Wayne in Oakley. Thanks for that, Wayne. Peaking too go. early. 
Peaking too early. Peaking too early. <laughs> Way too early. Now, Warren called it, and I, th- you know, I don't like agreeing with Warren, but he said that they're going to go all the way, so I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll agree really, with Warren. It's really early in the pre-season, Vinny. There's a long way to go. They've been uh, training hard. They're going yeah. to be machines. True, true. Hey, if you've uh, got any questions for our next guest, Mike McGrath, make sure you send us a text on 0433981116. We'll try to get those to Mike, who is on the line now. G'day, Mike, and welcome to the Four Diego's. Mike McGrath, are you, are you there? Okay, thanks for me on. Come in, Mike. Yes, we've got you now, Mike. It's Rodrigo Rodriguez. Vinny Venezuela's yep, here. here. Yep, no, we've got you. And Carlos Alberto <laughs> Diego as well. Hey, Mike, uh, EPL started, of course, uh, last weekend. And uh, I just want to ask you about our man, the Huddersfield uh, player in Aaron Moy. What did you make of him, Mike? And uh, uh, is everybody talking about him <laughs> in England? <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody was talking about Phil Dutch, for sure, because they had such a great start. Um, I mean, I, I was at, I was at Chelsea myself, so I only watched the highlights of Huddersfield game. But every every time I did kind of tune in, I did see this kind of this uh, bald-headed midfielder <laughs> all around the pitch, you know, doing doing very well. I, I suppose he stands out. Um, and he was, I think, he had a like a, his uh, ten teammates at Huddersfield had a very very start to the season. Mike, it's Carlos uh, with Huddersfield, of course. Uh, they had a terrific away win there at Crystal Palace with Aaron Moy starring and, of course, uh, one or two other guys are really uh, having you know big, big games in their first game in the EPL. Did you see enough of Huddersfield to think that they could stay up? Well, I, I remember speaking last week when I did um, say that I think the manager has, um, you know, I think the manager is very impressive there and that they do have a chance with him at the helm and kind of pulling the strings. And, and it looks like he's got a team who've got a way of playing that will be very difficult to play against. And they've got a little bit of X factor in terms of the guy up front, um, Steve, uh, Steve Mounier, who, who stuck a couple away. So, you know, that it, was, it was amazing that they were top of the league for 24 hours and that, um, you know, Huddersfield, who, you know, let's face it, a few years, thought that they'd be in the in the Premier League, let alone at uh, the kind of the, the top end and having such a great season. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure um, there's a few more Aussie fans as well following um, Aaron Moy there and, and hoping that they can build on it um, when they play Newcastle this weekend. Mike uh, Vinny here. I want to ask you about Chelsea and uh, Conti and, and and the Conti Ferrari. Are the wheels falling off, my friend? It hasn't been a good start. There's there's trouble in paradise. Diego Costa doesn't. Yeah, yeah. He's he's catching Ubers instead of uh, getting into the Ferrari. He's not even <laughs> invited into the Conti Ferrari. What what what? How's it going to unfold over there, mate? Yeah, it's, it's not great, and it probably the, the story has kind of unravelled ever since he's signed a contract where there there was no extension. There was only a, a pay rise. So look, he's got. Two of his um, championship-winning team no longer playing for him in Diego Costa and uh, Nemanja Matic, who have let, uh, who's left. Um, there's injuries and suspensions uh, aplenty ahead of the game against Spurs at Wembley, um, and it just doesn't feel like there's a, not like it's a happy ship there. And I did, I, I, I kind of mentioned that to you the other day as well. I remember I said it could be the one where the uh, where there was an upset and, um, you know, I picked right at the weekend because it was a massive story. Mike, it, uh, it, there was a, a suggestion in the post-match press conference with Conte that uh, some of the journos 
almost accused him of uh, deliberately putting an understrength team out to send the message to Roman Abramovich for not spending enough money during the summer. Um, you know, how did he react to that, number one? I don't think he would have been happy about that. And how much truth do you reckon there is in that accusation? Um, he was asked that directly, whether it was a message, and he he denied it um, quite forcefully. Um, I kind of I do see his point of view because he had very little option apart from Morata, who might just be a little bit short of fitness at the moment. But apart from that, it was full strength. Um, I think that there are a few. That that the message that is there for everybody to see, I don't know whether it was deliberate or not, that that bench is well, well short of what it should be for a, for a team challenging for the title. And the whole thing didn't look, it just didn't feel like Chelsea last season, right down to the fact that Conte was dressed in a, in a tracksuit rather than his usual uh, crisp Italian suit. Mike, uh, Vinny again, can we now talk about Liverpool and the draw? That would have been very disappointing on the uh, for the first game of the season, even though Mane's goal uh, was stunning. Yeah, they, they, you know, the defending there was was obviously the big problem, and um, and to be honest, it didn't look too clever for them last night against Hoffenheim either, um, until the young lad uh, and. And it changed the game a bit, but there's, you know, you can kind of see why they really want Van Dyke. Um, you can see that they are a little bit short at the back, and that they probably need to work a bit more on defending set pieces. Um, you know, you throw into that the Philippe Coutinho situation, and it, it doesn't look too clever for them. Although it looks like they are going to be in the Champions League group stages if they can just hold out their, that um, first leg result that they got. Mike, uh, Sanchez at Arsenal still agitating for a move, but uh, Arsene Wenger's basically, basically come out and said that they're willing to take a loss and let him go free by just keeping him an extra year. Will Liverpool do the same with Coutinho? Um, they they weren't able to resist the big offer Fernando Torres a few years ago, uh, and we know that uh, Klopp's come out and said they're not a selling club, and even the Fenway Sports Group has said they're not selling him. But do you think that they're a club that will stand by those convictions or not? I think it makes a big difference when the owners come out and say what they did. Um, you know, without that, I think there might be more of a hope for for Barcelona. But as it stands, if the, if the owners have said that, then I, I I think that they will do everything they can to keep him. That if if an offer comes in that they just cannot refuse, then look that things might change but as it stands it looks like the American owners of Liverpool are really standing firm on on keeping him at the club and Mike uh, just before um, my, my my last question is this are you helping Wayne Rooney pen his final check another chapter in the memoir given that he scored for his old club that was <laughs> that was one for the ages wasn't it <laughs> yeah it was it was what you know it it wasn't the best goal of the weekend, but it, it probably was the one that meant a hell of a lot to, you know, it meant most because um, it was such an emotional moment for Rooney to go back and, and score for his first club. Um, and yeah, I mean, this chapter, you know, I don't think it will, I don't think it'll end with him playing for England again, um, but it could result in 
you know, maybe some silverware or, you know, a very, um, a very kind of memorable push for the top four because obviously Everton are showing their ambition and have done again today by um, by signing um, Gilfie Sigurdsson. So there's, there's a lot of talent there and if Koeman can put it all in the right places and they could have a very good season. Mike, uh, Manchester United fans all around the world be very, very excited with the way they played, uh, albeit against a quite a poor West Ham side on the weekend. It was a comprehensive 4-0 win. Uh, win. Uh, Lukaku just slotted in beautifully with two goals. They played that fluid, aggressive, exciting brand of football at Old Trafford that we haven't seen in years, really. Uh, has finally Jose Mourinho uh, been able to recapture what Alex Ferguson had on a regular basis all those years ago when he was managing uh, uh, Manchester United? Yeah, I know it, it probably it, it must have pained you to see that match. Uh, against <laughs> but, um, United are doing, you know, the, 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 um, what, what, what people have really noticed over here is that Matic and, and Lukaku give them a presence physically um, and they're, they're another six, uh, a couple of six-foot-plus players. And I think that's what they were, they were missing, a, a stature and an aura, you know, even at home at Old Trafford, uh, where they've been drawing too many games. And maybe that is, you know, maybe these are the, the finishing touches that Jose wanted. Um, I think there's a long way to go. It's only one win against, um, against West Ham, and they've got the Champions League to, to deal with as well. But certainly... They're going in the right direction. I think Jose would probably still have wanted um, one wide player, and it doesn't look like he's going to get it before the end of the window. But they seem to be a happy ship at the moment. And the last one for me, uh, Mike, uh, Tottenham 2-0 uh, way winners there at Newcastle and played a really good brand of football, albeit against... Ten men uh, once Solvi got uh, sent off for Newcastle. Um, they're one team that's spent nothing over the summer, uh, but look like they're just as strong or even better than last season. Could they surprise everyone without spending money and actually win the title this year? Well, it would. It, you know, they'd have to go one step further um, than the last two seasons. It just seems that they're just slightly weaker beneath the surface. Uh, I, I do think there are a good few players short in that squad um, of mounting a title challenge, even though from 1 to 11, without any injuries and suspensions, they're probably one of the best teams in the league. I just think that they'll run into problems around Christmas onwards. Um, that it's, it's still an amazing job what they've done there with their wage structure and what they've spent on players. Um, nobody's taken that away from them, but whether they'll compete with City and United um, after Christmas, I'm not so sure. Hey, Mike, uh, as you said, it's a small sample size, and um, <laughs> Carlos invoking uh, Sir Alex Ferguson already at uh, Manchester United, but uh, hey, uh, the English Premier League's back. We're wrapped. It's exciting, and we love talking to you about uh, it every week here on the Four Diego's. Thanks for your time again tonight. There's Mike McGrath there from the... UK, the sun in the UK. Um, bit of a delay there, but um, he was he was actually a away game on Mars. He was, but he was coming through <laughs> loud and clear. Yeah, um, good to hear from Mike. Hey, let's take a break and come back with more of the Four Diego's on eleven sixteen SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. On eleven sixteen SEN, the Four Diego's.
Time flies when you're having fun. Thanks for your company this Wednesday night edition of the Four Diego's. Just off the text messages, any tips for Harry boys? Coaching, mm. not his thing? Yeah, so refer- obviously to referring Town. to Harry Kuehl, a Crawley Town uh, manager, and uh, struggling a bit. But he, he went to a club that really just avoided relegation in the pub leagues last year, and I think they recruited some players, but really, what, what quality-type players would you recruit at that level in England? And, um, yeah, so he hasn't started well. Uh, got beaten the League Cup against Birmingham, I believe, and uh, the first game they lost 3-1 against um, someone too. So uh, I'm not sure what happened on the weekend, but it doesn't sound like he did very well. No, there. So, so no uh, tips. Just yeah. keep going, Harry. No, look. Don't, don't give know. up. Yeah, keep plugging up. away. I Learn think, from your I errors. I just think keep the modelling up too at the same time <laughs> yes. because you may have to have plan B here. Fall back. Yeah, look, you know, obviously he's throwing everything into it. Uh, he... From every interview he's had, he really wants to make a career out of coaching. Uh, but, you know, he didn't go so well at Watford in the under-20s. Um, he got moved on there. He's been given a chance in senior football. And it doesn't look it's like it's going well there at the moment. But still early days. The uh, the chairman's giving him the kiss of uh, kiss of uh, life or kiss of, kiss of death, whatever it's called. Full support of the board. Yeah, full support of the board. Yeah, yeah. That's about You don't want, you don't yeah, want that no, sentence want so, that. so soon. Yeah, so anyway. So Melbourne Vic, just uh, moving yeah. on, Melbourne victory have uh, unveiled a new recruit, uh, Matias Sanchez, Argentinian, 29-year-old, mm. um, good mate of uh, Fernando Brandan, apparently, yeah. so he's already uh, mucking around with the enemy <laughs> on a one-year deal, um, yeah. and he's a defensive midfielder, um, he's got some pedigree, played in the under-20 World Cup squad, uh, the beat... beat um, 2007, yeah, 2007. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Well, that's 12 years ago. He was 20. He was, you know, he was, you know, he was, yeah, he was 18. What, 10 years ago? 18. Uh, no, 11 years yeah. ago. Yeah, there you go. So, so uh, anyway, so but he played with some the, pedigree. Yeah, that was the, the point, Carlos. The, the question That's is, right. But he played with Aguero in that team and Di Maria. There's some pedigree there. And the question I ask is, <laughs> the path, the path of the career paths went very, very different ways. Well, they're the questions we need to ask, Carlos. Yeah. Um, He's a family man. He's got uh, two young children. His wife's going to join him as well. When you, so, so let's uh, let's focus on the positive no, here. And look, one thing, <laughs> one thing, uh, and I know they've made some errors over the years, but they actually get it right too. Uh, when victory go for foreigners, uh, they can pick up some beauties. And uh, a defensive midfielder who's Argentinian, I mean, they're born defensive midfielders over there. So uh, I reckon this probably is a very good pickup. And they don't tend to get these things wrong. So um, we'll wait and see. But it's interesting because Carl Valeri plays as a defensive midfielder too. So uh, And they've also got Mark yeah, Milligan yep. who can play in there too. So right. they're, they're awash with defensive midfielders. Hey, we've got a call here uh, from Peter in Cheltenham. Wants to have a chat to us about the A-League and the NPL. G'day, Peter, and welcome to the late edition of the Four Diego's. Oh, like Diego's. Mine is Warren. Yes, that's right. Yeah, we're we're a bit lost, but um, we'll we'll be okay. Um, yeah, look, I just rang up. Um, well, first of all, um, uh, may soul rest in peace, R.I.P. Les Murray. Yes. Um, what I rang up for is that I want the VPL all around Australia, all the Premier Leagues and the lower divisions, to switch their uh, uh, what do you call it, seasons in line with the A League. I'm talking about in terms of the FFA Cup. And you make a rule, and you have the lower leagues, like the English style, playing FA Cup qualifying games to get to the first round. And then the A-League and the VPL club start off in the third round. And the final can be, say, the last game of the year, which would be next year, after the season finishes, make it a showpiece event, rather than having the teams playing during the off-season, others in-season, and 
and then they have it during midweek. It, it doesn't really. It should be really. Um, I mean, I actually like the trophy. It's a fantastic trophy. It's actually better than the championship trophy. Actually, yeah, it is nice. Then the toilet seat, but um, I, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to have a, like a showpiece event, sort of switch all the leagues, including the low, low leagues, lower leagues as well, all in line. I reckon I'll get better crowds as well because they're competing with AFL and NRL around the country. So I reckon they can if they can all switch, and that way the FFA Cup would be more of a. Um, uh, a purposeful event, you know what I mean? Have it yeah. as the last game after the season finishes. Yeah, Pete, look, I, I like that idea, but the problem is, even now, the federations find it difficult to schedule games uh, that uh, uh, away from the A-League games. I mean, we still get important finals in the A-League, and we get NPL games scheduled against them. But you speak to the federations, they say, well, we've got 3,000 games to schedule. Where are we going to put them? And uh, so I can understand both arguments, but at the moment we're getting, uh, when you're scheduling NPL games against A-League games, especially at the start of the season when there's finals for the A-League, uh, I just think they're just cutting each other's throats a little bit. So you want to try and organise it where if you're going to go parallel seasons, you, you want to make sure that, uh, that where possible they're working in concert together. So they're not scheduling... NPL games or even junior games against big A-League games. So people have got a chance to go to both. Thanks for your call there, Peter. Really appreciate uh, your listenership, as they say. Hey, yeah, Carlos, remember that superstar Maxi from Germany? Great pickup. Um, yeah, we, we, uh, look, we can, we can be cynical about things, but also they got Del Pierre, was a great player. I think True. Barish is a good player. Um, uh, Barisha. Carlos uh, Hernandez. Yeah, I mean, they have had some wins. I'd like to do the, the balance sheet, actually, mm. the liabilities and the assets over the years. But some I of think, the early Brazilians were problematic, yeah, Carlos. Of course. But, uh, that you was know, more budget-related, Vinny. Yeah. They had no money. They had no marquees back then, and they just picked them up. If they, you sent a video and you're Brazilian, you're showing your passport. You're in. You're in. That's, uh, they're a bit more... <laughs> They're a little bit more... Uh, Shrewd, you know, calculating. Yeah, they, they do a bit more homework these days, Vinny. With Definitely. Stuff. Looking forward to seeing uh, Matias Sanchez play for victory. Hey, boys, um, Matilda's legend, uh, Cheryl Salisbury, is said to become the first female to receive uh, the Professional Football Association's Australia's um, Alex Tobin medal, yeah, which is fantastic. Fantastic. What, three World Cups? I think she was the first one to score uh, for Australia in a World Cup. Then... 151 games for Australia, 38 goals. Uh, she was just huge. And, and yep. a lot of the players who played now were coming through as juniors at that time, and they really looked after someone like Cheryl. So good on them. And well done to the PFA, because it's not some token gesture here. Nice this player is a legend of mm. the game and deserves to be up there with the likes of Craig Johnston, Joe Marsden, Harry Kuehl's, I think, in there. Uh, Viduka, I think, is in there. Um, Frank Farina might be in there. Uh, could be. Oh, look, I, I'm not quite sure. I don't have a list in front of me, but some big, big Australian males are in there. And Cheryl Salisbury is as big as any female footballer that's represented this country. She'll be awarded the uh, the medal at the uh, annual Players Awards night in uh, Newcastle next month. So congratulations to Cheryl Salisbury. Hey, we need to take a break now and come back with more of the Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. <laughs> On 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. About a minute to go, just off the text messages here. Fred was a gun for victory. Um, it was like Hernandez, but ran both ways. That's, uh, <laughs> KFC good point. Carlos. Yeah, but, good point there, Liam. But uh, Carlos didn't even ring both, run both ways. He no, just stood in one spot. Right. Nay Fabio. He just went for drive-through. <laughs> yeah, right. Remember Nay Fabio <laughs> yeah. um, played like... Uh, well, played a game and uh, then was suspended for spitting. So picking up on some of the victory recruits. Hey, Vinny, before we go, uh, 
CR7. The gelled one. Yes. He's in trouble. <laughs> He's at five games First got. of all, at that level, why do you get that first yellow card? Because you've got to sort of, you know, take off your top. That's dumb.com. And then, <laughs> oh, uh, you know, the... The, the, he he got the second yellow for uh, for oh, for, uh, for simulation no, no, simulation, oh, no. Sim- okay. simulation yep. for uh, which gave away a penalty I think and no, that no, was no no he simulated to get a penalty to, yeah sorry he was milking yep. for a penalty yep. and um which was a gee that was a tight call as it was it was probably no, he died, Vinny. He, yeah but it was as as good a simulated dive as you'll ever see yeah. if, if you're a kid you'd be watching yeah. that one. And then he, and then he got the five weeks. That's, yeah. that's and, the one I was But he should have got 12 on. weeks for that. Definitely. Yeah, he got lucky yeah, on that Five one. weeks. That's it for this week's show. We'll be back next Wednesday. So remember, Cuddalosh. We're a Puerto Rican girls hang out. We'll, we'll be there. there. We'll be Samba, Rumba and La Bamba. We'll, we'll be, be there. there. We'll be there. Uh, girls with fruit on their head and balls at their feet. We'll, we'll be there. there. We're the gringos play football. We'll, we'll be there. there. We are the Fort Diego. Olé. Olé.